Hey y'all, and welcome to Southern Fried Spooky, the podcast home of all things Southern Spooky and Paranormal. <laughs> Lovingly Paranormal. Lovingly? Lovingly. Wow, oh my. So I'm your Carolina girl, Heather. And I'm your Florida man, Tony. Who continues to baffle me. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon. Share us with your friends. Tell your enemies. We don't mind. Or tell us about your enemies. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. So if you're new, which I doubt, we specialize in the weird world that is the American South. And sometimes other parts. Yeah, but mostly. Yeah. Specialize. Because we have a bunch of people who listen in other countries, and for the life of us, we don't know why, but we're glad you're here. Yeah, yeah. We 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 so just want to know why, but that's awesome. We're we're glad you're listening. So today, yeah, we'll be visiting Charleston, the holy city. Charleston is drenched in Southern history. It was once South Carolina's capital, and they it, also have a great like candy bar. Yes, the Charleston Chew. Indeed, <laughs> he always throws me off my game here. It's a main port to the state and a hub of commerce. That's why I'm here. I, I guess it is. And it's where, you know, like if you're from the South Carolina area, you know, it's where old families congregate and dozens of plantation owners used to have their fine estates. There's a, even a specific accent, that's Charleston. We're going to be talking about one of those houses, and it's called <clears throat> the Battery Carriage House Inn and its other worldly inhabitants. But we'll start with the history part. Yeah, yeah. Let's, 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 let's start with the mansion. <laughs> the mansion is described as a gracefully imposing structure clad in mellowed pink stucco and white piazzas. It's one of the most grand and gracious edifices on the South Battery. That's actually very beautiful, gracefully imposing. Right? I mean, That's actually beautiful wording. I think that came from its own website. It is still a functioning inn. So, yeah. It starts off, yeah, very specifically, on June 7th, 1843. One Samuel Stevens bought property at 20 South Battery in Charleston. Now, that's because it's... I don't know how to describe it. There's an area just known as the Battery, and it sounds like you charge the whole town with it, but no, I think it's all... Battery sits near the coast. Okay, thank you. Like, Battery is in, like, where things hit. Battery. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I have you, because, like, I knew that, but I didn't know how to explain it. Now, Stevens was a commercial agent for plantation owners, and he himself was quite wealthy. Now, the land at the time was priced at $4,500. Wait, what's the equivalency of that today? I have no idea. We'd have to look that up. Normally, I do that in advance. I did not this time. Now, the house Stevens built is not exactly the structure you'd see standing today. Given its age, which is, in 2023, 180 years, which in well our neck of the woods as it were is kind of old yeah that is to be expected which is kind of funny because over in like the uk and stuff they're like oh yeah we have a 200 year old building that's new (laughs) yeah that's that's why i'm like here that's old now originally built as a private residence because of course it was the main home and carriage house reflected the prosperity that was prevalent in south carolina during this era now around 1859 stephen sold the property on which the structure stood to John F. Blacklock, which that just sounds like That's an awesome cool name. name. And he went on to move his own house on Bull Street to his new land at 20 South Battery. Now, the way I read this, and I'm pretty sure this is accurate, he moved the house. 
Okay, I don't get so, it. So, not to interrupt, but, but $4,500 in 1840, uh-huh. today's equivalent would be $154,000 and $74.10. So, $154,743 yeah. and 10 cents. And 10 cents. So that's, yeah, that's kind of a. That's, that's a lot uh, for land. Let's it is. It. Like, it is. I think we paid that for the house. Well, land on. Well, on the water's edge, basically. But, I mean, you you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, Blacklock, unfortunately, suffered a bit of timing. You know, that's always a problem with real estate. He moved into the new and improved 20 South Battery right as, well, the Civil War started. Oh. So, he was forced to abandon the house and never again called it home. Wait, Charleston during the Civil War? Uh-huh. Wow. Right? That's like, hey, honey, look at our new home. What's that gunfire I hear? Oops. (laughs) So he ended up selling the property in 1870 to a union colonel, Richard Lathers. Lovely name, very clean. Yeah. Lathers was a native Irishman who'd moved to South Carolina, but he was on the union side. Which, of course, most of Charleston, you know, his neighbors just loved him. Oh, yeah. Following the war, Charleston's economy, well, kind of collapsed. I thought the entire town collapsed. Very nearly. Most of the city's southern merchants had lost everything because, you know, special time in our history. Yeah. And there were a lot of properties that are vacant, and there just weren't enough new buyers willing to invest in the now-crumbling city of Charleston. Now, Lathers was one person who was willing to try. The Union colonel hired the architect John Henry Devereux, a former Confederate captain, to renovate the house with modern, at the time, or Second Empire styling, which was commonly found in New York. Additions to the house included a library and a ballroom, but the ballroom saw more action as a conference room instead. The conference room was where he hosted U.S. Senators, the Governor of New York, and other... New York City elites. Like one does, I like guess. Like one does. So, yeah, as far as his neighbors are, this man is very much a Yankee, and he's bringing all these Yankee people to talk. Uh, so, yeah. Lathers would invite all of these New York friends, politicians, financiers, that sort of thing, and he would take his friends on a tour of the city to meet the people of Charleston and to witness the great potential the city had to offer. I mean, I guess, to his credit, he was trying his best to stimulate some growth and stability in his adopted town. Yeah. He'd hoped to use his wealth and northern connections to not only help rebuild a battle-scarred Charleston, but to bury the hatchet, as it were, between northern and southern leaders through social and political gatherings at this glorious home. But, yeah, that didn't happen. This whole trying to heal the divide, I mean, people are still prickly about it today, 150 years later. So, right. yeah, that it was just too soon and too much had happened. So the locals were unwilling to trust anyone from up north. The city's economy remained stagnant, while other cities like Atlanta were able to kind of reconcile and progress a little. So the people of Charleston grew quite tired of the Yankee colonel and his northern influences, and they did not hide their displeasure. Lathers himself grew tired of trying to help a city who was not interested in modernization and recovery, at least not with his help, I guess. So with his frustrations at an all-time high, he decided it was time to leave the holy city of Charleston. By the way, they call it that because at least in our part of the world, it has more churches than anywhere else as I, any business has. I assumed it was because of the Civil War and all the fighting that happened and there were holes everywhere. Different kind of holy. Oh, okay. It's sort of like equating it to the our, our local Vatican, but 
you know, Baptist, Methodist, all those other things, too. Oh, yeah. So, continuing on the history, Mm -hmm. 1874. I promise we'll get to the ghosty stuff soon. (laughs) Lathers sold the house to Andrew Simons. S-I-M-O-N-D-S. Simons. Got Simons. You. Um, As in multiple Simon. With a D also. Yeah. <laughs> Simons was a member of the Calhoun family. Uh-huh. I know a Calhoun. I'm sure you do. One of the most, at the time, respected and cherished families in South Carolina. And she's lived, listening. Hi, Tiffany. <laughs> the Calhouns were among the few families in the state able to weather the storm that was the Civil War and Reconstruction, which was considered kind of worse. And continued to grow their wealth. Now, as a note, there is a Calhoun County. Columbia has a Calhoun Street. One of the kids I went to school with in elementary school was named Cal, but his name was Calhoun. This is kind of a big Wait, name here. Wait, first name? Yeah. Calhoun? Yep. I think it was his middle name, but he used, he just went by Cal. Cal Thompson. Huh. Anyway. Okay. So, for reasons that are, shall we say, less celebrated now... It's an old name that goes way back. Yeah. So anyway, he was very successful in his business ventures. Most notable were his establishments of the First National Bank of South Carolina, and this one kind of amuses me, the Imperial Fertilizer Company. Look out, Biff Tannen! <laughs> in addition to his bank and fertilizer company, he, Don't also, he also had a fleet of ships for trade. Wow. Right? Okay, so this dude's, like, rolling in the money. Apparently. Now, well, aside from all of his financial success, his personal life was a bit more messy, which I think is probably more common than people realize. It's all about that that public show, but... Isn't that usually the way of it? Look at me, look how successful I am in public, and then in private they're all like, I'm so sad. Well, for reasons. Or they turn into somebody like, you know, that gray guy... And there were 50 shades of him. Okay. Simon's son, for example, had a greater love for alcohol and partying than a head for business. And eventually this love landed him in the sanatorium in Baltimore, which is where they tended to put people to dry them out. Yeah. As for Simon's marriage, on the surface, of course, it seemed idyllic. Beautiful wife, Daisy Bro, very French Wow, name. I, that's a nice name. B R E A U X. Bro. Bro. Like dude, bro, but not. It's yeah. French. Okay. She was known for throwing lavish parties in their home, but the family's flamboyant lifestyle was at times too much for Mr. Simons. So to find peace amidst the family chaos, he sought refuge in the world of art. Now, I could not find anything else beyond that statement. Like, what exactly did he do? Did he buy? Did he paint? Somehow, I, I just, I don't know. Two coats. <laughs> he, he loved painting rooms. <laughs> like, Little producers moment. Huh? He was a great painter. Two coats. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. So the Simons family sold the house in 1912. We're getting closer. And from here on... The Titanic sank. From here onwards, 20 South Battery would become the home to numerous occupants. So one of the first to call the house their home, though I think it was really an office, was the Society for Preservation of Old Dwellings. So I think that's like... There's there's some irony in in that society in an old dwelling. Right. Um, And it's believed to be one of the oldest similar societies in the country. You know how they will put historic markers on buildings and Mm -hmm. be like, never change it. Yeah. 
The society's goal was in direct contrast to the efforts of Colonel Lathers. You do see that a lot in Charleston. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of places, especially like... The historic where, markers? Like, where they have um the, the, the like, outdoor mall thing. Like you mean the I, market? The market. Like, there are, like, those plaques everywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah, it is definitely, like, this is historic. Please don't touch it. It's like, look, this building is historic. Holy crap, the road is historic. What do you mean? The cat is historic. <laughs> like, Maybe not that, but... <laughs> like, they're everywhere. So, while Lathers was all about creating new... The society worked to preserve Charleston historic landmarks before they vanished, and apparently they succeeded. Well, I mean, it wasn't the majority of, of Charleston historic. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a show place, and they try to keep it that way. I mean, it's a beautiful place, and I love going, but, like, everywhere you go... It's like Charleston, go, Savannah, Savannah, they look kind of Saint the way Augustine they used is, to. St. Augustine, the exact same way. Other places, it's like, this building's old, let's bulldoze, bulldoze it and put yeah, up a bank or yeah. you know, something. Now, during the 40s, do you know what happened during the 40s? Uh, World War Two. Charleston transformed into a navy town. Oh, okay. So, it had its... It sort of hosted an era of debauchery. No offense, navy guys. Drinking, gambling, nightclubbing, strippers, prostitution. This was all pretty common. We're looking at you, navy guys. Right? <laughs> My dad was in the navy. I, I, My I, uncle was in the navy. Yeah. Now, legend has it that during this time, one young... John F. Kennedy took part in the wild Charleston scene at the top-notch Fort Sumter Hotel. Again, don't really know what yeah, exactly. he was shot. One would assume it was before. He's yeah. probably not much fun after. Yeah. Winking at Bernie's. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to have to start doing this by myself. You're weird, dude. <laughs> now, in the 60s, mm-hmm. Charleston slowly started to regain its respectable reputation, and 20 South Battery underwent another renovation. And this time around, it was converted into apartments for college students, who are, of course, known for their sober and somber demeanors. <laughs> Good writing there, babe. <laughs> right? I mean, even today, College of Charleston is known as kind of a party college. Really? It, it has that reputation, or at oh. least it used to when I was in school. I think it still does. So it was apartments for two decades, mm-hmm. and by the 80s, ah, the 80s, it was once again a hotel, The and the hotel still exists today. Now known as the Battery Carriage House, the inn is owned by the second great-grandson of Andrew Simons, so they bought it back. Yeah, so I was about His to say, so they Drayton did buy Hasty. it back. Yes. Drayton Hasty, which sounds like a great That sounds like an name. awesome name. So they used the main house as a private residence, and the Hasties opened the aptly named Battery Carriage House Inn. It has for a carriage house. It has eleven rooms Wait, available that's a to guests. Carriage guess. house. Yeah, the eleven is, rooms. Yes. So from there, life passed slowly and sweetly as it does here in the South mm-hmm. until September twenty first, nineteen eighty nine. Oh boy, we had a little bitty storm. Yeah, we did. Called I, Hurricane Hugo. <laughs> I, sur- I survived that little bitty storm. Well, good for you. I was in Morganton, North Carolina, when that thing struck the coast. Well, I was here and i remembered it was a fierce storm even this far charleston did not do well the only reason why i remember it is because i got up early just to make sure we weren't going to school <laughs> like we would sit in front of the tv one of those old ones you had to turn the knobs uh-huh. and just sit there and watch tv looking for school closings as they scroll across the bottom yes life before the internet kids and then as soon as my mom was like hey look your school's closed i was like awesome went right back to bed 
Yeah. <laughs> I love the stories of like Gen Z or like, well, how do you knew? How did you ever find out that your school was closed? You got up and looked for it. You had TV. to wait. <laughs> and and sometimes you would have to call the school and be like, hey, are y'all open? Which always makes me think now, some poor person had to be there answering yep. those that deluge of phone calls. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Category 4 storm produced the highest storm tides ever recorded on the East Coast, causing catastrophic damage to the homes along the water, as you might expect. Yeah, it was bad. But 20 South Battery remains standing, if a little worse for wear. And it is fortunate that Dr. Jack Schaefer, who purchased the inn in 2018, had such a passion for restoring and maintaining historical integrity. So the property has undergone extensive preservation efforts during Dr. Schaefer's stewardship. This was a labor of love, intent on revitalizing the Charleston gem to all its former grandeur. You can tell I got a lot of language off of the tourist website. Oh, yeah. On January 15th, 2021, so not too far back, Mm -hmm. 20 South Battery was granted the 67th Carolopolis Award, that's kind of hard to say, by the Preservation Society, in recognition for pristine efforts to preservation and integrity of Charleston history. Good Lord. Um, Since 1953, the Preservation Society of Charleston has celebrated the very best of preservation in Charleston Mm -hmm. and the Lowcountry. Through the Carolopolis, again, try to say that fast, award, after nearly 70 years and more than 1,400 awards given, the Carolopolis, who wrote this thing, award has been has become as much a part of the fabric of the city as the buildings and structures that it honors. As you said, the plaques are everywhere. <laughs> and, and what was that word again? I hate you. Carolopolis. <laughs> Why not? Okay. Let's get to the ghost. Come on, baby. Yay, the ghost stuff. Let's get to the ghost. All right, so obviously, Charleston. It's one of the more paranormally active towns. I could, you could say haunted. It's very... Yeah, it's haunted. <laughs> like, yeah. It's haunted AF. <laughs> I mean, no. And listed among the more active locations is the Battery Carriage House Inn. That is a lot to say. It is, so I'm not going to say it. Why very, can't we? Let's just say Carriage House Inn. Yeah, that shortened is it's so much so hauntings at the inn we'll go with that yeah. date back to just after the civil war and today numerous spirits are believed to roam about the battery carriage house the inn the inn yeah <laughs> so when hurricane hugo hit charleston it's possible that it stirred up some spirits and i'm fairly sure the gray man was out there going y'all need to get home probably <laughs> or it could have been active when the hasties began their 1992 renovation yeah so, do you want to talk about why ghosts have a thing with renovations? Okay. Or just that they I do. have, and, and I have seen this time and time again, especially people complaining about ghosts. It usually starts when a couple moves into a house or something to that effect, and suddenly they're like, let's tear down this wall, let's rebuild this. Not so much like painting or anything, but when they start messing with the house, like Beetlejuice, like Beetlejuice, <laughs> when you when you when the house starts getting messed up, that's when the ghosts come out. It's like, excuse me, where'd my wall go? Yeah, like there probably used like to be a can, door here, and I feel like that's probably why ghosts can go through walls because it didn't used to be there. Yeah. <laughs> so now, interestingly. When pirates sailed in the 18th century, early 19th century, the authorities used to hang captured pirates from the trees on the battery. Yep. So on the land that um, the land itself could have been haunted before the first stick of a building had been placed during the Civil War, which was itself 
um, a little deadly. There was a terrible outbreak of yellow fever that killed a lot of people. So perhaps some people who lived in the servants' quarters or elsewhere died of this rather deadly disease. And Blackbeard himself was killed off the coast of Charleston. That's sad. Yep. We're big Blackbeard fans. What can we say? Oh, yeah. Definitely going to be an episode sometime soon. Oh, yes. So guests and employees alike have reportedly had run-ins with the spirits, plural, the paranormal disturbances that occur at the inn are so intense that the happenings on the grounds have converted many skeptics who have stayed the night over the years. That'd be fun to go to. Oh, I think so. And there, there, there are choices. You can have your choice. <laughs> do, you, do you want this ghost who is a serial killer, this ghost who likes to play with your feet at night, or this ghost who likes to clean your room? <laughs> I would like a room cleaning ghost just to move in. <laughs> right? Well, you weren't kidding, honestly. Well, maybe you were, but it's also true. So, the first of the haunted rooms yeah. is room number three. Okay. Now, this, one of the most infamous stories to take place in the room happened when a married couple, of course, they're not named, had decided to spend the night in the inn, like you do. Yeah, like one does. Tired from a long day, they went straight to bed. Unfortunately, a peaceful night's rest was not to be... The two were awakened by the husband's cell phone. Now, again, I don't know when this was, so I don't know if this is one of those old brick cell phones or a more sleek, modern one. But anyway, it, the phone wasn't ringing. It was being powered on and then powered off, like someone was totally playing with it. And the husband had shut the phone off entirely prior to going to bed. The ghost was like, come on, man. I'm like the, I'm like the 180th level of Candy Crush. Let <laughs> me play with your phone. Um, the couple also witnessed an orb floating around the room on their first night and again on the second night. And, well, the husband claimed that on the second night there appeared to be even more glowing shapes moving about the room. So after the couple's second night of restless sleep, they ran into a psychic who was another guest at the battery carriage. House. in Yeah. The place. The inn. The inn. <laughs> the couple asked her to check out the room. I'm sure she was very busy that weekend with all the stuff there. And she said she did indeed feel a presence of multiple spirits. I don't know why I did that voice. And at the couple's request, the psychic asked the spirits to leave the room. The following morning, the couple met up with her again and informed her that the spirits must have actually left the room. As for the first time in three nights, they were able to sleep soundly. Now, I don't know if they left or if the ghosts were like, ooh, sorry, and just decided to be quiet and considerate roommates. So... A report states, room three, figures of light with different shapes and sizes gathered in the sitting room after lingering a little around the bed, watching the living. Also, the sound of dripping water coming out at a fast pace wakes up guests staying there, but when the guest gets up to turn the faucet off, no real water has been dripping in the sink. Ghost water? (laughs) Ghost water. Spirit agua. (laughs) That's so weird. So that was room three. Room eight has is home to a more disconcerting apparition. Uh oh. Yeah, this is the ghost that has sent people running for their cars in the middle of the night. Um, it makes strange noises that wake people up, and then when they wake up, they are treated to the sight of a floating headless torso. It makes weird noises. Yeah. It has no head. Yeah. I don't know. It apparently somehow makes growling noises. We've been trying to reach you about your extended warranty. I need a new partner. (laughs) (laughs) So in 1993, an again unnamed skeptic booked room eight. 
He was warned repeatedly by friends and associates to switch to a different room or book another hotel altogether, but he's a skeptic, and he was unfazed by the warnings and you know, kind of laughed it off. So that night, he checks into the inn, went to his room for the night. He was awakened by the sound disturbance, and it was then that this non-believer's status suddenly changed, for he saw the headless torso, and brazenly, he even tried to touch the thing. <laughs> Apparently, he put out his hand, and a an animalistic growl startled him, and he pulled his hand back. Odd. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. This is just what they say. Now, during the Civil War, what my mom used to refer to as the War of Northern Aggression, <laughs> Confederate soldiers had cannons on the battery, which is today's White Point Gardens, and they slept in the carriage houses. And near the end of the war, the cannons and munitions were blown up in huge explosions that shook the houses all along the waterfront. And we know that some of these explosions were a little dangerous. Some soldiers were killed, others grievously injured, and some had stayed in the carriage house. So it's thought that the headless torso might be one of the unfortunate people who was a little too close to the explodey part. Well, that would suck. Wouldn't it, though? Yeah, that would suck horribly. Now, now here's the fun one. The one that you've been waiting for. And for some reason, this makes me think of Our Flag Means Death, and I'll explain why in a moment. The best chance to see a really friendly ghost at the inn is room 10. The Gentleman Ghost, <laughs> much like the Gentleman Pirate, a moniker given to the spirit by the inn staff. He is known for graciously sharing his room with any and all guests. The Gentleman Ghost is described as a grayish shadow because, you know, we must be stylish. Yeah. He appears to be of average height and build and tends to glide about the room rather stylishly. Apparently, he's a bit of a fop. That's okay. That's fine. He's very fond of the bed. I mean, I can sort of understand that. I take naps. And has been known to startle guests by lying peacefully next to the lodgers. Tony is dying here trying not to laugh. Are you okay, dear? I'm fine. What's wrong? Nothing. Go ahead. Right. So, a report states... Two sisters settled into bed for the evening. While one sister went to sleep right away, the other sister laid awake restless, not able to sleep, perhaps concerned about someone coming into the room, and she was surprised to see a wispy gray apparition. Slender build, blah, 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 float right through their locked door. T'was an apparition of a young man with no facial features discernible, who lay down next to the awake sister and gently put his arm around her shoulders in a comforting manner. And he vanished when the awake sister finally woke up her sleeping sister. Both sisters went to sleep and didn't wake up till the morning. I think I would have stayed awake, quite honestly. So yes, he gets in bed with you and cuddles you. Yes, he does. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just imagining, like, you get into the room and there's, like, this gray ghost and he's like, Hi, hello, I'll be spending the night with you guys tonight. If you'd like to lay down, I can give you some soda rubs. I will totally share my bed with you. <laughs> I am the greatest cuddler. <laughs> and this is coming from Tony, who is a self-admitted... Cuddle slut, yes. Yes. He is very good at cuddling. I have been hired to cuddle before. Really? So, yes. Okay, I'm going to have to ask about that when we're not recording. Yes. It wasn't anything bad. I was just hired to cuddle someone. Well, I admit, when I was at fair and lonely, I did proposition someone just for cuddles. Yeah. That's all that happened. It was I think great. That's, I, th I think that's really, sometimes that's all anybody needs is just cuddling, and I think this ghost knows it. 
We should totally try to check out Room 10. Absolutely. <laughs> I will cuddle that ghost. Well, which brings me to... Okay, let me get a little bit of history on him. The ghost oh, is believed to be the son of the family who lived there in the early 1900s. Yeah. Um, allegedly, he came home from Yale University in 1904. Oh, so a intelligent person. Yes. And he was shocked to learn that his girlfriend had married his best friend. Oof. Okay. Rude. That's, yeah, rude. Um, allegedly, he went to the top of the floor and flung himself out the window. Okay, it sounds like he needs cuddles. Uh, maybe he does. So, he is also known as the Carriage House in Cuddler. and Which is uh, amazing. I know. And as far as we know, he always leaves when dismissed or asked to leave. And we don't know what happens if he isn't asked to leave because there are no reports of people not asking him to leave. So you know that whole thing about people who have sex with ghosts? I'm wondering if he if he would do that if oh. he didn't tell him to leave. Yeah. Or well, maybe he just comes. Like, like one of those things of if we ever go there and while we're asleep on the bed, you know how you use my right shoulder and you cuddle? Uh-huh. I'm going to leave my left shoulder open just for him. <laughs> See, you know, does he prefer the ladies or is he equal opportunity cuddling? Yeah, yeah. Now, apparently not... All of the experiences in Room Tim are as gentle. They're nothing bad, I suppose I should say, but some people have experienced the strange occurrences and the feeling of being watched, when quite personally I'd prefer to have the cuddler because I really enjoy your cuddles. Yeah. So that is all I have on the rather interestingly named Battery Carriage House Inn Which, and I its mean, cuddler. Which, I it seems like... Like a very, very active place. It does. And there are probably more ghosts wandering the grounds, wandering various other spaces. We just touched on the three rooms that actually have reports about them. And I desperately want to find out about the cuddling one. (laughs) So, I mean, we're after Valentine's Day, but I thought of a cuddling ghost would be really good for February. Oh, that's adorable. And so we hope that it gives you all the right tingles and shivers. Or, you in know, that good way. Yeah, in that sweet way. That there are ghosts out there that will cuddle you, so don't be scared. Yeah, I mean, I. it would be a little unnerving if you didn't know that's all they wanted. It's like, am I, what's going to happen here? Yeah, right? <laughs> so anyway, we have come towards the end of another episode. I know mm-hmm. this one was a little short, but... Next week, we are hoping to have a visit with the Lexington Museum here in Lexington, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. They have a walking tour of the downtown area every few months and talk about our modern landmarks decades or even centuries ago. And they'll be hosting one of their Murders and Mysteries tours. Which is awesome. If you're local, that's on the 24th. Check it out. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go and we're going to try to record it. Indeed. In the meantime... You can pass the time looking at our Facebook page or Instagram. Mm -hmm. Feel free to send us messages. Nobody messages us, darn it, (laughs) about spooky goings-on in your part of the world. And if you're closer to us, send us some suggestions. And it doesn't matter if you're Southern or not. If you have ghost stories, let us know. We're interested in the ghost stories from other countries. We'd love to hear from you, Sweden or UK or... We have like 16 countries. Romania? Listed. Come on yeah. now. You guys have a lot of ghosts there. I want to talk about the the like the haunted forest in Romania. We could always talk about Alkigahara. Oh, that ooh, that's deep. That's deep and dark. Yeah. We could, but we'll 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 eventually venture forth in yeah. an international foray. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I'm your Carolina girl Heather and I'm your Florida man Tony who loves to cuddle. I do. And we hope that you had a glorious Halloween, and we'll see you next time. Bye, Bye y'all. <laughs> so, 
I'm going to be cuddling you tonight. When you wake up, there will be coffee waiting. That's um, so you. If you have a problem, you can just ask me to leave. I don't mind. Aw, you're so sweet. Thank you.